3: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes
0: everything. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix.
3: With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business
2: has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com
0: to book your appointment online today. That's T E R M I N I X.com. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works.
3: Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. And my name is Noel.
0: They call me Ben. We are joined as always with our super producer, Paul, Mission Control Deck, and most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this Stuff They Don't Want You To Know. Uh, another peek behind the curtain, this is the first time in quite a while that the whole crew has been together in the same studio.
2: And another peek behind the curtain, Matt said his name originally kind of in an odd cadence, and I made him start over and correct it, and then I copied said odd cadence in my sign-on, so uh, I'm, I'm a jerk. That's so brown-town of you. So brownish. So one-note and brown-note.
3: So how have you guys been doing? Hey, great. Ben, uh, I hope you're doing well, too. You you were on the biggest adventures. We've recorded one episode since you've returned, um, and you know the one thing we haven't actually addressed yet together as a team?
0: What's that, Matt? Uh,
3: is our time out in L.A., what we what we got to do with Mr. Dan Harmon.
0: That's true. We we did mention this in previous episodes. We wanted to be transparent, of course, given the kind of show that we do here and you know, we I can't believe it. We actually did it. We went on Harmontown, and then we also uh, had Dan over on an episode of Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, which by the time this recording comes out should be available yeah. now, right?
3: Yeah, and I just have to say it was incredible basically starting a conversation on Harmontown on stage – then continuing it on to our show where we just kind of kept
2: talking mo- in more depth about the same things. There was even a chapter of the conversation that you were not privy to that was sort of in the dressing room. Yeah. In between the show, or before the show, then after the show, and then we did our show, and then we continued the conversation even still at a little dive bar in Hollywood called the Frolic Room, which is yeah. a mm-hmm. Hollywood uh, uh, institution. Yeah. Um, and it was just the whole thing was kind of surreal and and delightful in many, many
0: ways.
3: Yeah. yeah. And we just we uh we hope you enjoyed the episode as you were listening to it. It was a delight for us. So uh it's we a weird one.
0: It, yeah. It is it is definitely a weird one. And to your point, Noel, I'm I'm also wondering uh how coherent the conversation will be, given that several hours of what was essentially a two-day episode. Right, yeah. Has, 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 will not see the light of day. Not to mention we just
2: now got the preview of that uh, in real time, you know, uh, got the preview of that episode to listen to. We always listen to it before publish, and I think we're all a little bit on the edge of our seats wondering what it's actually going to sound like. You all out there in podcast land already know. Well, yeah, you're going to get the refined product.
0: Yeah, we're in a situation that – uh uh, some English teachers would refer to as dramatic irony because you, the audience, know something that we do not. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So let's hope let's hope it's uh, let's hope it's good one way or the other. It's done, and I don't think that we've heard the last of uh, of Dan Harmon. You know, I mean, obviously not because he's going to make tons of new shows, but he might be on this show again in the future. So we hope you like it. Today we are talking about something. Much less, (laughs) much less enjoyable.
1: Right.
3: (laughs) Well, actually, this could be quite enjoyable because it's possible ways to cure ourselves of things our body is uh, fighting against.
0: That's right. That's true. Uh, We do have to say at the top of today's show that nothing we say in this show and none of the sources we quote should be taken as medical advice. Yeah, speak to your doctor
3: or your GP, whoever you've got, if you want to learn more about any of this stuff.
0: And if you get scared, don't hop on WebMD. Make an appointment, go to a doctor. Never hop on WebMD, you guys. Never. WebMD, it's cancer. It's, that's, it, that's, <laughs> their name, that's their tagline.
2: Literally. It's like, a, it's like one of those uh, flowcharts that always ends in cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And today we're exploring one of the most sensitive subjects in human experience. Health and, of course, its uh, ever-present shadowy end result—death. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say wellness. Oh, no, oh health and <laughs> wellness. <laughs> well, that's that's good. Yeah, but they all and so far, the every single study that has ever been conducted on the subject <laughs> has found that uh, life is a terminal condition with a one hundred percent rate of death fatality rate and for the past few thousands of years our species has made honestly extraordinary strides in the field of medicine i'm not the most optimistic person but even i can admit that it was not an easy process however there is uh, here's one anecdote that can show us how difficult medical progress is uh have, have you all heard of Ignaz Semmelweis? yes
3: yeah, I think we've mentioned him before on this show, just in passing though.
0: He's one of my favorite illustrations of someone who was called crazy and was right all along. Uh, however, uh, you know, we've been in this situation, but no one has died of a result of, as a result of people not believing us, hopefully. Ignaz Semmelweis was roundly ridiculed for the cockamamie notion that, hey, maybe before doctors – assist uh, assist in childbirth, they should wash their hands. Yeah. You wash, just wash your hands.
3: Well, and it wasn't taken well because oh, no. a lot of the people that he's speaking to were es- essentially just offended at the thought of, oh, you believe my hands to be dirty and to where I will infect others just by not cleansing them prior to delivering a baby? I am a gentleman, sir, and you have violated my dignity. Well, I mean, and then that kind of thinking we have to remember still exists within the realms of things that are just outside of what is accepted. Well, it
2: was a product of elitism too, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, how dare you accuse me of being unclean for I am uh, at a higher station than you, sir,
0: you know? Exactly. Like the diseases clearly come from the peasant class. Yeah. When all doctors are considered more patrician. It's so strange because uh, Semmelweis was correct. ton of people didn't believe him, even though he had studies that proved he was correct. And his bedside manner was also terrible. If he were a and d character, charisma was his dump stat. Like, he was not good at talking with people in a civil manner because he knew he was right and he was angry about it. And this just exacerbated the situation. The academy turned on him. Eventually, Semmelweis ends up in an asylum at the age of 47 and eventually, ironically, he dies of sepsis. Mm, Infection in the blood. Mm -hmm. And this depressing anecdote gives us a window into human nature. Oh, also, thank you so much, Samuel Weiss for uh, <laughs> playing such a huge part yeah. in, in us being alive to make the show today. Uh, we see we see some damning things about human psychology in this tale, and we also see some illuminating things about our collective approach to medicine. And we fast forward to 2019. We've made a lot of hard-won medical progress, but some diseases remain functionally incurable. Here in the U.S., two of the biggest killers are heart disease, which is treatable, um, you know, in in a number of ways, and, of course, the big C word, cancer. Doctors, as you listen to this, are literally working day in and day out around the clock to discover new treatments, early detection methods, and more. But here's the thing. Fellow conspiracy realist, some people will tell you that there is a cure for some or all cancers and that it has been around for much longer than you think. But to figure out the answer to that question, we have to start at the beginning. So here are the facts. What is cancer? You might be asking yourself. First, uh, let's
2: bust a few myths about the term cancer, which actually describes more than a 100 separate diseases, not all of which are created equally, but they are all characterized by an abnormal and unregulated growth of cells. Uh, This growth actually destroys surrounding tissue and can spread to other parts of the body through a process called metastasis.
0: And kudos for correctly pronouncing that on the first try. That metastasis? One, yeah, that one's tough for me. I can say metastasize, but having to how, – how do you pronounce it again?
2: Metastasis?
0: Metastasis.
2: But I also like metastasis. Yeah. That's another thing entirely though, right? Is it? Yeah. It's like meta – not moving, I don't know I never mind.
0: <laughs> right it's not moving on several levels
2: mm-hmm. right in a deep way, Ben, you have a really great uh, analogy, I think for a, a way to wrap your head around this idea, don't you?
0: um I oh, hope man, I hope it's at least serviceable it's it felt like a good idea at like three in the morning so when we hear cancer, just like you said, Noel, uh, we're often we're often taught to think that cancer is itself a specific disease, but That's not the case. As you said, there are more than 100 different diseases that fit the classification of cancer. So when we hear the word cancer, we should think of – It it should be like hearing the word clothing because clothing describes a group of things that all have a couple broad definitions in common, uh, but they also specialize, right? So you have hats for your head. You have gloves just for your hands and on and on and on. And like articles of clothing, cancers specialize in different parts of your body. You wouldn't wear a hat on your foot and you wouldn't have uh, uh, breast cancer in your prostate. Right? These are very different things. So when we look at the most common forms of cancer, at least here in the U.S., uh, we run into our first terrible laundry list, which there are a few in today's episode. There's skin cancer, lung cancer, brain cancer, breast cancer, prostate cancer, colon cancer, ovarian cancer, leukemia, and lymphoma.
3: Yeah, and really what we're getting at of here is cancer can develop in any part of the human body. Um, and it's not one of those things that you have to be a certain age where, you know, maybe cancer will develop. It, it becomes more likely sometimes depending on your life choices. But it really – you can develop cancer at any age. And uh, unlike something like AIDS – Uh, or the flu, something infectious, uh, let's say tuberculosis, Um, you can't catch cancer from somebody else from from being around them. It's not contagious in in any way. And generally, cancers are caused by damage that occurs at the genetic level inside a cell, right? Mm -hmm. That's how you get the the single cell that becomes rogue and then begins multiplying and then infecting the other cells through metastasis. (laughs) Um, It's, I mean, it really is a... It's a scary thing because it's like one tiny, less than microscopic part of you that rebels against the programming
0: and then can kill you. And this is interesting as a side note. There is a provable contagious cancer. It does not occur in humans. It occurs in Tasmanian devils. It's the devil facial tumor disease. Jeez. I've heard of that actually strangely. I don't know
3: why. Um, (laughs) Must have seen some kind of mini-doc about it or something.
0: Yeah, it's relatively recent in the literature. It was first described in 1996, but it just ran through the population of Tasmanian devils. Luckily, there's nothing like that that we know of for humans so far. And why is that a very lucky thing? Well, that's because cancer is one of the leading causes of death worldwide already— Back in 2012, there were 14.1 million new cases and 8.2 million cancer-related deaths across the world. Literally, millions of people are dying every year. And we have, uh, we have some sobering stats for the U.S. specifically.
2: It's true, and that is according to Cancer.gov, uh, which estimates that 1,735,350 new cases of cancer were diagnosed in the U.S. in 2018, and 609,640 people died uh, from the disease. The most common cancers, um, which are uh, listed here in descending order according to estimated new cases in 2018, are breast cancer. Cancer, lung and bronchus cancer, prostate cancer, colon and rectum cancer, melanoma of the skin, bladder cancer, non Hodgkin's lymphoma, kidney and renal pelvis cancer. Uh, and then we have endometrial cancer, leukemia, pancreatic cancer, thyroid cancer,
0: and uh, last but not least, liver cancer. But there's good news. Thankfully, we're, we're also going out of our way to point out moments of good news in yeah. this story.
3: There must be silver lining here. Um, well, the good news is that the, the cancer rates have actually dropped about 27 percent over the last 25 years. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. And I think, you know, without getting too deep into it right now, it has to do with just the amount of money and effort that's being spent on, on trying to find a cure. Uh, the, the problem is, again, that we've kind of discussed before, it's not one thing. You can't just throw money at uh, a team of researchers to look at cancer, big C cancer. Uh, you have to study each individual part of the body and each individual cancer. Um, but again – Death rates dropped 27%. Um, It translates to about 1.5% per year and more than 2.6 million deaths avoided between 1991 and 2016.
0: And honestly, go team. Yeah. That's that's a a tremendous improvement. Right now, here at the end of 2019 – Experts expect a total of one million seven hundred sixty-two thousand four hundred fifty new cancer cases and six hundred and six thousand eight hundred eighty deaths from cancer, cancer-related causes. This this means that although rates are dropping, people are still dying, and everyone is aware of this. Everyone is aware of this. We know that people are searching continually for a cure. According to researchers like KL Black, the cure for cancer is more a matter of when rather than a matter of if. Because according to Black and their colleagues, there's been this explosive progress in our understanding of cancer, you know, reducing smoking rates that has a huge uh, impact on cancer rates. Uh, you know, early detection methods are a godsend for people who believe in God, and Black says that since we're since we're in an inevitable situation where we will find a cure for some cancers, it really becomes a question of how much we want to prime the pump. Black calls for increased research funding into all aspects of cancer research and says it needs to be at least twice the current levels of funding but the tragic problem here simply put is this for many people curing cancer in 2030 or even 2025 isn't that's not coming soon enough the clock is already ticking on their lives
3: and it, there's a deeper conspiracy there that we will get into about who benefits
0: from cancer not being cured bono, right and that, that, of course, assumes that the mainstream narrative is true, that there is uh, sincere, ardent research in, in, in uh, treating and curing this, this type of disease. And it may just not come soon enough unless, that is, the cure for cancer already exists.
2: And we'll learn about that right after a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week
3: from now through May 14th. Get twenty-five dollar tickets to over five thousand summer
0: shows. That's up to seventy-five percent off a summer full of your favorite artists like Twenty One Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Baso Bluma, Sean Paul, Sum Forty One, and many
2: more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists
0: you love all summer long for just. $25 each.
3: Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now.
2: That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now.
1: Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a there. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details.
0: Here's where
2: it gets crazy. According to a 2008 survey, as much as 27% of the United States population believes large pharmaceutical interests possess a cure uh, for uh, some or all cancers and actively suppress this treatment um, in order to boost their profits. We've heard this any number of times when it comes to the farm, I mean, just in terms of cures for all kinds of diseases or alternative medications. Why the pharmaceutical lobby fights marijuana legalization so much? I mean, you know, it's no proof, but the proof is in the pudding. It seems pretty
0: clear that's the case. Yeah, and these conspiratorial claims. I love that you point that out because these claims typically follow the same rough pattern, uh, not just for cancer, but for things like HIV or AIDS. The idea is this: someone somewhere has invented or discovered a cure for cancer or a treatment that has a very high efficacy rate, right? And this cure, whether it be a simple one-and-done pill or a series of treatments, you know, herbal remedies and so on, this cure is known to Big Pharma, capital B, capital P, but releasing it to the public – in this cabal's eyes is less profitable than letting people slowly die or charging them for a subscription service. And there are a couple of things we could unpack here. Let's, let's pause for a second and note, 27 percent, you said, 27 percent of people polled. That's almost one out of three. U.S. residents believe that there is a cure that has been repressed. That puts this uh, on the level of some of the great widely believed conspiracies in the lore, right? The the moon landing, the JFK assassination.
3: Can we just talk about that that survey was from 2006, which is almost – I don't know what we would call that from an internet standpoint. But 2006 was like that era where – I don't know. Information was really being put out there. I, I, I think back to the How Stuff Works website, mm-hmm. where there are so many people trying to put out so much information and just fill the internet and, and fill in all the spaces that could possibly be searched for. And it makes me wonder if that has anything to do with that twenty-seven percent number.
0: Ah, uh, I see. Yeah, maybe maybe we were still as a country uh, sharpening our critical thinking skills, right? If it. it, it that's what i see but perhaps i'm incorrect well there's also there's also the compelling argument that from a capitalistic stance you're putting yourself out of business if you ever actually cure a disease right that's one of the the commonly cited things unless you control the one cure so but, but then you only have to take it once right whereas uh, you know being prescribed
2: medication is like a life sentence of, of cash flow, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and this this jibes with stuff that we know about the economy in general, which is that for more than a decade – Uh, U.S. businesses have been moving away from ownership models towards subscription models. You know what I mean? Uh, And this is reflected across the board, whether you're talking about automobiles, whether you're talking about medicine, whether you're talking about even clothing, right? The ink in your printer. The the ink in your printer. Oh, that's insidious. When
2: it's all masquerading behind this, uh, this facade of convenience, when it's really just a matter of getting you on the hook and you think, oh, it's not that much. Much per month but then you add it up and then you maybe compare that to how much actual benefits you get from it and you're really just funneling money into these corporations pockets or these startups or whatever
3: in perpetuity or in until your card gets canceled exactly <laughs> like
0: uh like when adobe went entirely yeah. to a subscription model we're very lucky we
2: get access to those products through work yeah but you know if someone just wants photoshop you can't Maybe you can. I'm not sure how it works. You can't just buy Photoshop anymore. To my knowledge, you got to pay that 10 12 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Then you add that with your Hulu, add that with your Netflix, mm-hmm. add that with your prescription drugs. Yep. Before you know it, you're out of pocket a whole lot
0: every month. And you don't own a damn thing. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the strangest part. I know I'm using strong language there. But this suppressed cure. This palliative thing, this panacea could be described as any number of substances or treatments and not all of the conspiratorial claims agree on what the cure might actually be. There are a couple of categories. There are natural or alternative treatments that could be stuff like aromatherapy, right, or uh, herbalistic uh, regimens. And then there's homeopathy or even unto shamanistic healing rites. You know what I mean? The idea that disease is as much a product of the mind as it is of the body. And there are some interesting studies that show uh, one's cognitive state can have an effect on recuperation from physical trauma. Oh, absolutely. Well, and that leads into every one of these
3: types of treatments when you get to aromatherapy or something or one of the largest categories that exists in here – which is what you put into your body, diet-based solutions. There are things like the Browse diet, the Hallelujah diet, uh, several others. We're going to get into one at the end of this episode Mm -hmm. um, that's that's out there right now
0: that I'm sure there are a lot of people following that believe it's going to cure them. And I love the name, the Hallelujah diet. I had not heard of it before we began researching for this. Mm -hmm. Just for an example, this is a pretty restrictive diet that purports to be biblical it's based on raw food and the inventor of the hallelujah diet is doing that um, not only am i the president i'm also a member sure. kind of thing because the the inventor claims he cured his own cancer a lot of
3: those are vegan based or like a specific thing that you have to eat or re- refrain from eating mm-hmm. um to get your body back into some uh, position of I was going to say stasis but that's not correct just there's harmony to get harmony back within your body and all the cells metastasis Yeah, metastasis.
2: <laughs> there we go. The best kind of stasis.
3: I don't,
0: I don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 I
2: I walked that one back. Yeah. yeah. What?
0: <laughs> I, the, I I like it. Uh so we we see that uh we we see that diet can be a compelling um treatment of some sort, because we know that a vegan diet will tend to be better for you than a very heavy red meat diet, right? As long as you're an adult, you're not still developing, etc.
3: When it comes, yeah, exactly. When it comes to certain things, and at certain points in your life, mm-hmm. and
0: there are also electromagnetic or energy based cures. Uh, shout out to Orgone Energy, uh, which is still fascinating to me. Our boy Wilhelm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, Mister Reich himself, Doctor Reich. He was a doctor of sorts. It was easier to be a doctor in those days. <laughs> he was a
2: cloud doctor.
0: <laughs> he was a cloud doctor. I love it. We
2: talked about him last episode when you weren't here. We talked about cloud busting, Daddy. Dude, yeah, I'm having a weird deja vu moment mm-hmm. right here. Yeah. I don't. Oh, okay, because of, of the Kate Bush song that was about Wilhelm
0: Reich and his uh, rain machine. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, nice. cloudbuster. The cloudbuster Oregon cloud mm-hmm. Energy, which is fascinating. Please, if you haven't if you haven't heard of this before, do check out our audio and video episodes on orgone and and the strange interaction that Willem Reich had with the FDA, I think, at some point. So there are also hybrid regimens that combine two or more treatments from the categories that we just mentioned. This belief that big pharma is suppressing uh, a cure to one or more cancers is very common, and it finds fertile soil in the current zeitgeist, in the current – social climate, because distrust of pharmaceutical companies runs pretty high nowadays, and I would argue rightly so, especially given the opioid crisis in the U.S., which swept through various regions of the country like a natural disaster. And continues to do so. Yeah, and then add to that, the U.S. is cartoonishly high, like ridiculously high drug costs when compared to literally every other developed nation. Every single other one. And I know literally is a word that gets overused so often these days, just like awesome, right? Uh, But in this case, yes, literally every other developed nation is going to have better drug prices. So even without hard proof of a conspiracy in this case, there are a lot of people who understandably will hear about the concept of any sort of suppressed medicine or treatment. And at the very least, even if they're not 100% on board with the idea, they'll think – well, I, uh, I wouldn't put it past them. You know what I mean? I mean you know, it, it, it sounds like the kind of skrelly thing they'd be into.
3: Okay, but here's the deal. A lot of times the villain in these stories is Big Pharma with a, with a, a B and a P. Um, another villain BP. <laughs> no, not really villain BP or whatever. Just depends on your perspective. But ultimately what I'm saying here is – the pharmaceutical companies, Big Pharma, could not get away with this alone. They would need to have some cronies there with them, some people who could get some other things done. They need help from, you know, the nonprofits that are out there that take in hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, government agencies and other independent researchers who are going through and either suppressing the research that's out there or, you know, covering up various aspects of certain diets or cures. Mm-hmm. Um, like, is it – do you guys think it is in any way possible that all of these different groups could be cooperating so that, let's say,
2: us, 8 million people worldwide die each and every year? Wait a minute. You mean some sort of massive cover-up conspiracy uh,
0: hegemon situation? Well, ultimately, yeah. If, if so – and we're walking through this hypothetically, right? Yes, yes. These yes. different institutions would have to work together pretty well right? And they would have to have some sort of omerta, some sort of brilliantly watertight agreement. And, you know, that number is true. If they are actively scheming to in some sort of plan that results in 8 million people dying every year, this comes very close to being a a case of medical genocide.
2: Let's be real for a second. What do you think the chances are this is actually the case?
0: I you know I'm going to save it for the end. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm going to save I'm I'm going to save it for the end uh because just with that piece just hypothetically that's a lot of cooperation. You know what I mean? We've been talking about this a lot more lately um since the the Harman thing.
2: Um when when like when can you smell a conspiracy that's probably there's some has some sand? It's usually when that level of cooperation benefits all parties. Only then are people most likely to keep their mouths shut Mm -hmm. when the cover-up is active and, you know, um, necessary to continue to enrich said parties or, you know, keep them from getting caught in some kind of collective
0: lie. Yeah, and, you know, pre-Epstein, I would have been much more skeptical about some of these things. In this case, however, there is a big elephant in the room, which is— Let's say it's true. Let's just hypothetically say it's true. What happens when one of the conspirators is diagnosed with cancer, right? Mm. I mean, do they say, well, for the good of the cause, you've got to continue on to stage four, buddy. We We can't let people know. Yeah. It's weird. I I mean, okay, so we did that that survey, right, from uh, 2006, Mm -hmm. right? Well, in 2002, there was a guy named Ted Gansler. This comes to us from one of our colleagues, author Dave Roos, writing over for How Stuff Works. Uh, Ted Gansler, at the time, was strategic director for pathology research with the American Cancer Society he edits the cancer journal for clinicians. This guy is his bona fides, right? He heard this hidden cure, the suppressed cure for cancer story so often that in 2002, he conducted a survey about the most common misconceptions of cancer. And in this, he asked about 1,000 Americans if they believed there was a conspiracy to hide a cure for cancer. According to Gansler, the result was even more shocking than he had expected. He found, and again, this is 2002, that not only did 27.3% of the people polled believe that there was a cure for cancer being repressed, but another 14% said, I don't know, it seems like something they would do though, it maybe. Could happen. <laughs> that's happen. That's crazy.
3: Um, and again, that's just kind of what we've been talking about here. It's another version of this conspiracy theory or another aspect to it is that that thought
2: that somebody somewhere has a cancer cure and it's being kept secret for one reason or another. Well, but to your question, Ben, I mean if we're staying in the realm of hypotheticals and thought experiments, if, if one of the uh, members of this conspiracy were diagnosed – wouldn't by virtue of being in the inner circle they'd get the cure and they would just keep it quiet and they'd never come out with the fact that this person was diagnosed, it would just be business as usual? Isn't that sort of the the argument we make with the super elite that potentially possess technology that's beyond the reach of us mere mortals like life extension technology and mm-hmm. things like that? Isn't that how it would work hypothetically?
0: Hypothetically, yeah, but then we also have to wonder how to explain the deaths of people who are you know billionaires. who who expired due to cancer, cancer cancer-related causes. Is that part of the cover-up too? Did they really die of something else? And they said, okay, call it cancer so that the peasants don't know we have the cure. Well, and
2: they're presumably living on a billionaire island
0: somewhere. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Is is Warren Buffett like the only billionaire who has a modest ranch-style home? He seems like he likes to keep it relatively uh, un-ostentatious for the most
2: part. He spends his money in smart ways and not in showy ways. That's a good question though, Ben.
0: I don't know. Let us know uh, if you know a modest billionaire who can help illuminate our investigation into the idea of a suppressed cancer cure. And maybe pump
3: millions if not billions into cancer research.
0: Right. Like, oh, oh, you know what? Great example. David Koch. There you go. Died of cancer. Yep. right so here's here's another twist to the story not only do about 1 1 in 3 Americans believe that there's something fishy here but there are multiple numerous groups individuals and institutions who claim not only is there a suppressed cure but that they have discovered this cure, or a cure. We could do an entire series on the various claims involved, but let's take a break for a word from our sponsor, and then we'll come back and we'll look at a couple of, uh, uh, let's call them notable highlights.
2: Live Nation presents Concert Week.
0: From
3: now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows.
0: That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage. Alanis Morissette. Cage the Elephant. Celeste Barber. Dirks Bentley. Janet Jackson. Megan Trainer. Peso Pluma. Sean Paul. Some forty-one
2: and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just twenty five dollars each.
3: Visit LiveNation.com slash concert week to buy now.
2: That's Livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now.
1: Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT and T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT and T Fiber. Live like a Gaginian man. Available wherever you will get your podcast. Limited to availability in select areas. Visit AT and slash hypergig for details.
0: Guys, I I've got to admit, I put this first one in here just because I think the guy's name is awesome. All of his claims aside, the name Royal Rife is oh. an amazing name, right? Classically
2: good name. So
0: good. Somewhere between a news anchor and a porn star. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those names that I would use as a different persona, you know, in like an airport or a strange city. Royal Raymond Rife. There you go. Call me Roy. Royal. I mean, the only Royal I know is from
2: the the fictional Royal Tenenbaums. His name was Royal, the main character played by Gene Hackman. I've never met – I've never known a person named Royal before.
0: Well, you know, the the future looms vast and welcoming before us and the horizon of time rushes towards us even now. You think it's welcoming? I find it quite foreboding. (laughs) I'm – you know, I am – I'm trying to manifest the secret, even if I don't believe in it. The secret secret? <laughs> yes. The one from the book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, the yeah. subsequent
2: uh, yeah. film adaptation? just going to think positive.
3: Well, uh, Royal Rife certainly was thinking positive when he developed a beam ray. That's in quotations it's there. It's a beam ray?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. What is it, a
3: beam or a ray? It's a, it's a beam ray. It's a beam ray. <laughs> um, it's not a weapon. It's a, you know, a tool to be used to... Cure certain diseases if aimed, you know, in the right place and used correctly. And one of those things that he thought he could cure was cancer. And the way it's done is through vibrating the cancerous cells. Mm -hmm. Uh, Vibration essentially is the means by which Royal Rife believed his beam ray could cure cancer.
0: Yeah, he built on the work of a fellow named Dr. Albert Abrams. Abrams thought that every single disease had a unique electromagnetic frequency. And these men believe that because of that, doctors could kill or treat diseased or cancer cells by sending an electrical impulse identical to that cell's electromagnetic frequency. This You've heard of this before. If you're a longtime listener to the show, this is sometimes called radionics, R-A-D-I-O-N. ICS. It's a
3: uh, it's a fascinating concept, right? The, if you could isolate just the bad cells and then take those out.
2: There's a very similar, uh, and 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 I, I think if we're heading in the direction, I believe we are similarly debunked technology that was used in forensics called I, I can't remember the name, but it used uh, radioactive isotopes to identify materials in lead in bullets, and the concept was that they all had these distinctly unique signatures per specific bullet. But it turns out that wasn't the case at all. It would be like the equivalent of picking up a conch shell and saying this is, you know, uh, this is a unique conch shell, but it would actually have a similar signature to like every other conch shell that ever existed. So there were folks that were put into prison for a very long time using this technology, and then it was debunked, and those people were subsequently released. Wow, But couldn't get their lives back. Also true.
0: So we know that Rife. Similar to Semmelweis was certain that the Academy had turned on him, right? And he thought, I am bringing this pioneering cure to the world. I don't want to make a ton of money. It's not about the money, right? It's about saving lives. There was a San Diego Evening Tribune article that came out about Rife in 1938. And in this, it's interesting. He stopped short of saying, I can cure cancer. But he says... I can devitalize disease organisms in living tissue with certain exceptions. So, Sounds like PR to me. Yeah, so he's like, I'm not, I'm not saying this is a panacea for everything. But the problem with his beam rate – similar to the problem with a lot of radionics experiments and a lot of orgone experiments, was that people said it could not be independently replicated. And independent researchers then throughout the 1950s discredited Reif. You can see his obituary in the Daily Californian when he passed away at the age of 83 on August 5th, 1971. Uh, And according to the Daily Californian, Reif died penniless and convinced that there was uh there was something rotten afoot in the academy.
2: Yeah, they published it in the much maligned disgraced column in the obituaries that day. Wow. Whatever happened to the disgraced column? I know. People just it's not PC anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm joking obviously, but it does seem like uh they don't say things like that in people's obituaries anymore.
3: No. They don't no. even
2: say, like, suicide. They don't say anything about cause of death. It's all just the broad strokes of who they're, you know, who left they left behind and all that stuff, mm-hmm. which is fine. Sure. It means you got to do your homework a little more. Back in the day, I used to be able to find everything about it by the dish from their uh, obituary.
0: Yeah, yeah. There was a certain amount of schadenfreude in some of those earlier ones. I think so, too. Better or worse today? What do you think? Obits mm-hmm. in general? Yeah. I'm going to say
3: better. Okay. Nope. Nope. I'm going to say worse. All right. Nope. I'm going to say neutral. I, I would say, okay, well, here's the deal. Almost all obituaries are now written ahead of time unless it's, you know, if it's a, a person of note, there's probably an obit in one, at least one major newspaper if you are a person of note. Ready that's to pull like, the trigger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then some stuff will be added to it. So I would say it's probably more accurate. Obituaries are probably more accurate for at least – People of of whatever standing, whatever metric we want to more use, more polished,
2: yeah. Um, the final PR statement. How many times do you think they've updated Jimmy Carter's obit on file? Multiple, I, yeah. yeah.
0: Every time that poor guy takes a fall, there is an editor in chief somewhere who who like looks at the USB drive or their Dropbox or in my in, you know in in my head, what what this editor does is uh, they they have an alert whenever uh, former President Carter. Is injured or something. And then they look down at their at, at the like the bottom third drawer in their of course in their wooden news desk mm-hmm. and they open that bottom drawer just a little bit. And then they pull out the they pull out the one sheet for the obituary and they read through it to see if they need to make any changes. It's probably like a Mad Libby blank space, right? Where they put what actually happened. Yeah. And then they just put it on their desk. And they wait to see what happens. And then you know, the next thing you know, uh, next thing you know, Jimmy is back building houses with Habitat for Humanity. Mm-hmm. So with a sigh of relief, the editor-in-chief takes that one sheet, they put it back in that third drawer, and then know. they pull out Dick Cheney's and mm-hmm. put it on there, and they just hope and <laughs> do a voodoo incantation. right. It's, I mean, it's true that it's true that this obituary does not seem particularly forgiving in Rife's case. He did blame the lack of recognition on an actual conspiracy. He said the AMA, the American Medical Association, the Department of Public Health, and other elements of what he called organized medicine. You like that nice dovetail with organized crime? Yeah. He said they had brainwashed and intimidated his colleagues. And so he died seeing himself as a new Semmelweis who was destined to be posthumously acknowledged for his work.
3: Wow. I, you know, I love that we brought it back to Symbol already because that is, that is a feeling, I think, no matter, no matter what, where the truth lies with a lot of these people we're going to be talking about in these cures, like we've said before, nobody believes they're a villain, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of these people probably believed so deeply in their own version of a cure that, um... There was almost maybe again, no matter if it's true or not, there was magical thinking happening. I want to say, um, in the in their own belief for their cure.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, and that's that's a fair point uh, that a lot of people might not want to hear, right? Is especially when you have the sunk cost of spending your entire life, your entire professional life, trying to pursue this in in what is a noble way. We can say Royal Rife, at the very least, was not. Uh, some kind of flim-flam man. He genuinely believed what he was doing. There's another example. Let's go away from a person for a second and let's look at an actual substance. There's a thing called latril, which was widely sold as a cure for cancer until it was banned by the FDA. When something is banned by the FDA, that gives a lot of fuel to the fire for people who believe in suppressed medicine because then you can say the FDA banned it not because it didn't work. Because it was working.
2: Yeah, and the reason uh, for this ban was that there had been extensive clinical trials in the 70s and throughout the 80s that proved it had zero effect on cancer whatsoever except um, the, the delightful side effect of giving cyanide poisoning uh, to folks who attempted this, this uh, remedy that pr- often proved to be fatal. So, good on you, FDA, for
0: taking poison off the market. For doing your job. Way to go. But you can still find it today. That's the thing about this substance. It's not sold under that name. Uh, It's sometimes called amygdalin or vitamin B17. Mm, That sounds like a really... Intense vitamin. It's a high-class, sophisticated vitamin. Absolutely.
2: Amygdalin is fun.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah, like the amygdala. I I don't know why. I know amygdala is different from the medulla oblongata, but I always think about that, and I always imagine uh, the professor from Waterboy.
0: We also learn about those pieces of the brain usually in the same day in school.
3: Yeah, I think that's
0: it. Uh, So, funny story about vitamin B17. There's no such thing. Oh. There's not a there's not a vitamin B17. How
2: many Bs are there?
0: 16. No, I'm just kidding. I don't 12. Know. <laughs> I know there's B12. <laughs> there's B12. Is that the maximum What about B? B? That's maximum B. <laughs> yeah. B, B complex. complex. We've reached peak B. We've reached peak B finally. Uh, let's see. There's B1, B2, B3. It's definitely B6. B12. <laughs> I feel like now we've got the Bueller. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bueller.
2: Oh no! Funny thing is, it's not completely sequential. Well, there's there's eight. Right. You've got uh, B1, B2, B3. Then there's no B4. No, it's too funny. There's only B1. They can't. There's B6, which is biotin. B7, folate, and then we got no B8. Was was that too funny too? I think so. I think B4 and B8 are just too rife. B9, and then we go all the way to twelve. Shoot up to (laughs) twelve. B-9. b 9s funny. That would be good. Maybe that should have been the one that oh, cured cancer. Right. Oh, oh man. Renders your cancer
0: B-9. We, we got go. here too late. You know <laughs> what I
2: mean? At least for the naming conventions. <laughs> we really could have done some good with that. We could have whiteboarded the heck
0: out of this. man, yeah, man. But the, the problem with this, Brian Dunning writes a, a, a fairly good summation of this over at Skeptoid, is that this B-17 case – is one of the only cases we can find of a product being banned or suppressed, however you want to describe it, by FDA, by big pharma. And that's because the product did have toxic effects on people. So that's a, that's a real case of a cancer treatment being pulled from the market. It was not pulled from the market, the story goes, because it was in any way uh, effective at treating cancer. It was just – it was more effective at giving people cyanide poisoning.
2: There you go. I mean, what was the cyanide content of this uh, of this drug?
0: One hundred and twelve percent. Nice. Oh okay.
2: man, they should have known. <laughs> they're, they're always trying to find new uses for cyanide. If it's, it gets a bad
0: rap, you know, yeah. I, mean, I think that's the thing. Cyanide was the original corn. Right. Exactly. Everything has corn in it now. Okay. Yep. And it used to be cyanide. Let's let's go back to um, K-O-R-N. Sorry. Yes. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Ah. What's that guy's name, Jonathan Davis? Mm-hmm. He plays the bagpipes and has white boy dreads. I'm actually, like, working with him
3: a little bit, like, in, a, you in a weird tertiary way. Oh, cool. Are you guys homies? No, but he's writing some music for a thing.
0: Oh, nice, man. Congratulations. Does
3: it sound like this? <laughs> it's, it's weird. Like it sounds just
2: like that.
0: Crazy. Who, who does the bass lines? Is it still the other That's guy? That's Fieldy. Yeah, yeah. I Fieldy. love those bass lines, He always man. played
2: his bass, like, Pointing directly, it was up. almost
0: like a cello, the way yeah, it was, yeah, mm-hmm. very
2: slippity slappity.
0: So, there's another guy who is not a member of corn. His name is Stanislaw Brzezinski.
2: That would have been cool if there was a guy in corn named Stanislaw Brzezinski. I mean, you got Fieldy, <laughs> Head, <laughs> Monkey, Jonathan Davis, and Stanislaw Brzezinski.
3: Yeah, this guy, this guy has a story. I, I think I've mentioned this before, but I had, um. A cousin out in Texas who was working with Stanislav Brzezinski, like directly with the foundation. Holy crap, no. In some kind of respect, but I, she wanted us actually to do an episode on this, but I kind of turned it down mm-hmm. because she was very adamant. And I don't know like, her position today, but very adamant that Stanislav did have the cure for mm. cancer.
0: Yeah, there's a documentary about Brzezinski um, called The the Cancer Cover-Up, which is available for free on YouTube. This is not an endorsement, but if you want to learn more about the story, I would check that out with the knowledge that – if you couldn't tell from the title, the documentary is very much of the opinion that Brzezinski – uh, is is actually treating cancer with success. Uh, he surfaces in the late 1960s when he proposes that there is a naturally occurring, continuously functioning biochemical system in the body that is different and distinct from the immune system and that this other system can correct cancer cells by means of special chemicals that reprogram these cells. And this leads him to create what is known as the Brzezinski Clinic.
3: Yeah, cells that in particular, as we have discussed already, the cancerous cells that something has gone haywire within their genetics and they're just reproducing and in, in inert and weird ways and yet reproducing. Uh, basically, this stuff would stop that, um, turn them back into regular cells. So the clinic itself that it's called the Brzezinski Clinic, it was founded in 76 and it is in Texas. Uh, it just kind of goes along with my my cousin's story and perhaps why she got interested in the first place. And it's best known for this controversial therapy known as antineoplastin. That sounds a little weird. Antineoplastin. Um, and it was developed by Brzezinski in the 1970s. Now, this is his term, antineoplastin, for this group of – now get this – urine-derived peptides. Okay, peptide derivatives as well as mixtures that Brzezinski named to use in his cancer treatment. So it, that those are the the substances, the chemicals that would get
0: pumped into you if you were undergoing treatment. Mm-hmm. And the clinic has been the focus of some ongoing criticism mainly because of the way this anti-neoplastin therapy is promoted, Uh, also because of the cost for people with cancer participating in in trials. Uh, And then, of course, there are some other medical professionals who object to the way in which these trials are run. There have also been legal cases brought as a result of the sale of this therapy because it doesn't have – or it didn't have uh, approval from the Texas State Board. There are also a lot of allegations that the numbers are being
3: manipulated about successful cases, Mm. survivors, Mm. how long, what side effects there could be. Um, There's a lot of – I mean it's – what there's a lot of controversy out there about this. And it's certainly worth your time to look into if you're interested in this kind of thing. Again, we're not trying to make anyone believe in or not believe in any of these things. It's just we're kind of giving you
0: what we've found. And it's important to note examples like this. This is just one of many examples, but it's important to note – This one in particular because it is an ongoing case. You know what I mean? It's not something from the 1800s or the 1930s. If you go to the website, quackwatch.org,
3: you can read a whole bunch about Stanislav Brzezinski and the treatments and what's supposed to be happening, the claims. There there have been several published clinical studies that you can actually read parts of in there. Uh, We would highly recommend it.
0: Absolutely. There is – One other example that we have to hit today because many of our fellow listeners wrote in to us recently about this case. And this case comes to us uh, through a – through Strange Avenue. It's the story of a man born Alfredo Darrington Bowman but perhaps better known today as Dr. Sebi. I don't know – guys, I don't know why but – my my cadence keeps falling into this Rod Serling thing. Dude, I just was about to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He that was came great. came to us as Dr. Sebi. Dr. Sebi. <laughs> well, it's always been my dream to be that <laughs> Guy, you already Sterling, are him, but not Sebi.
2: You are him. Uh, well, but, tell, tell us about us. We actually had a very interesting, uh, and it's funny. It was deja vu for me at this point. Matt and I on a ride from LAX to our hotel uh, on this last trip we all took to L.A. Uh, we got into the conversation about why we were there, and so we had this you know conspiracy, open-minded, uh, critical thinking approach to conspiracy theories podcast, just how we tend to phrase it. Um, and he asked if we had heard of Doctor Sebi, and he. Seemed to really stand behind him, very much so. Yeah. And I, I actually, funny, had a similar conversation with another Lyft driver years ago, and he was like preaching the gospel of Sebi to me. Well, and Noel, I had not heard of the guy at all, but um, now now I know a little bit about
3: him. Well, why do you think we're talking about him right now? Because of that, because of that ride, buddy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Noel, why
2: don't, we'll tell us a little bit about Dr. Sebi. Absolutely. This comes from a Healthline.com article that describes Dr. Sebi as a gentleman who claimed that his diet could cure everything from AIDS to sickle cell anemia to leukemia and lupus. But uh, he was sued in 1993 and was ordered to stop making these claims.
3: But that is – it's not the first time no. he had to go to court with with these kinds of things. But that 1993
2: one is important, again, because he had to stop saying those things. He absolutely had to stop. He was he was uh, um, required by law to cease promotion of his, his diet because it's literally what we would call maybe a fad diet like, uh, for all intents and purposes involving things like uh, um, vegetables, fruits, grains, nuts, seeds, oils, and herbs, things that he would particularly curate. Um Animal products, big no-no. Uh, and Sebi basically – well, he was essentially promoting a vegan diet.
3: Yes, but along with herb – like some supplemental – or some herbal supplements and some other supplements. Um, I would say that they – it's not that they weren't allowed to continue promoting it, you know, or, or using this diet or selling this no, kind no, no, of thing. No, it no, was just no, that – Can't make those claims sell, yeah, yeah, in yeah, order
2: to promote it, right? Yes, yes, yes. The same kind of stuff that Alex Jones has got in trouble for, I believe, with the bone, bone broth. Yeah, the bone yeah. broths and all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think he's allowed to say some of the things that he once said in terms of how those things can, you know, prevent you from getting irradiated or whatever, you know, in, yeah. the, in the apocalypse.
3: Um, and here's, in my opinion, one of the reasons why Doctor Sebi was so successful. It, it's because the the methodology about why these supplements and why this diet worked, it feels really simple. And if you're anybody, you can hear someone describe this and say, okay, yeah, I, I could get that. I could get behind that. And the, the whole concept here is that all illness within the human body comes from high levels of acidity, which then results in mucus production. And the mucus, depending on what part of the body is ill, let's say – You've got a bum elbow or something and you've got some arthritis in there. Um, Dr. Sebi's belief is that there's mucus buildup in there from high acidity and his diet is going to be alkaline and reduce the acidity and basically get your body back in harmony and then your mucus will go away and your illness will minute, go away. Wait a minute,
2: wait a minute, wait a minute. Does this sound eerily familiar to the, the medieval uh... – a quackery of humors, humors right, and, yeah. and phlegm and uh, mucus bile. bile it was it was it was all related mm. to the balance mm. of these bodily fluids right yeah is that so I, it
0: certainly comes from an older belief system it does come from an older belief system uh, but so does the um, medieval belief in humors uh, the idea that one could be melancholic right mm-hmm. I have a great book on that if you guys ever uh, never mind never mind I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and read it uh, the illustrations are Great. This I also, know. Yeah, okay. I'll bring it in. Cool. Uh, this is also back when one of the forefronts of European medicine was to have people pee in, in glass or transparent beakers and then to hold the urine up to the light. And, and, and guess at what was wrong with the person based on uh, the interpretations of the urine. Oh. Do it like a wine tasting where you swish it around? And you're, mm-hmm. There was some sniffing for sure. Yeah, okay. There was some sniffing for not, sure. Not, the, not yeah. that one? I don't I'm think sorry. so. Uh, That's a disgusting sound, you guys. I'm really sorry. And I don't this. know how widespread I, asparagus was oh. either. So <laughs> we, <laughs> we do know, just not to yeah.
2: derail, but the, not, everyone, not everyone's pee will smell funny when they eat asparagus. It's true. It's kind of like the cilantro
0: thing.
3: Exactly. Or is it that you can't smell it? That's what I'm saying. Not everybody can smell it. I don't know. Look, man, science out on that one. Yeah, let <laughs> us know, folks. Let us I'm know. Just I'm just joking. i
0: <laughs> I know there are several people who have listened to this show for years wondering when we were going to finally address the uh, elephant in the room of asparagus and urine. So yeah. there you are, folks. That's... We finally got around to it. Yeah, there's a there's a brain stuff
2: about that. <laughs> I know. Isn't there? I'm, I'm joshing. There should be.
0: You're joshing. Yeah. I think it's a josh one. Actually. I know. There
2: you He's go. A so, Joshua, perfect. so
3: let's uh let's just get back to Sebi really fast because a yeah. lot of the criticism ends up well not a lot of the criticism but there is criticism to be uh to be levied at Doctor Sebi because. The claim basically here is that you can you can heal yourself from literally anything, from AIDS to cancer to whatever it is, if you follow this diet consistently for the rest of your life, and it will never come back, and you'll be good to go.
0: Let your food be your medicine.
3: Yes. And it's – again, it's one of those things where it was linked to profit because there was a company – there is a company right now that you can go to the website for. It's uh, Dr. Sebi's Cell Food. Dr. Sebi's Cell Food. Um, it offers supplements meant to, quote, expedite the healing
2: process if you're following along with the diet. And you can check this out for yourself at DrSebby's where he has a nutritional guide, a blog, um, you know, his whole methodology, is his, uh, his bio and all this stuff. And, of course, you can purchase these things. And I believe the – The basic pack in question here is what, like 750 bucks? The advanced pack. Oh, the advanced pack. So you can get in for a little, you can get in, you know, for maybe a couple hundred. Yeah, I think there's a couple
3: on there that are like in the 200 three hundred dollar range. But- and I'm
0: I'm sure if you did research you could find independent suppliers of the different substances offered in the pack and maybe save money. I'm I, I haven't done the math on it. No, well,
2: actually, uh the the advanced pack is sort of the basic pack. Then there's an all inclusive pack that's fifteen hundred dollars.
0: So there's the advanced is the lowest tier?
2: That's the lowest tier of like a whole uh Collection of stuff. Then you can buy individual, okay. um, you know, remedies or whatever. There's something called the booster package, which is five hundred and seventy-five dollars. And you can buy, you know, individual things from everything from bromide plus capsules for thirty bucks to Doctor Sebi's blood pressure balance herbal tea, sixteen bucks. Yeah, the, like the, some tea. The, the point here is that it's not
3: cheap to right. to get in on this kind of diet if you're going to follow it and take the supplements provided by the company.
0: However, many people will swear that the program has healed them, one ailment or another. At the time of reporting, as far as we could find, no universally acknowledged scientific studies supported these claims. They still live squarely in the realm of the anecdote, which doesn't make them false. It just means that at this point, they have not held up to scientific rigor. That doesn't mean that there's no sand to it. Because clearly some people believe that it has worked.
2: No, it, it, you're absolutely right, Ben. But I will say I think it's a little unusual and not unusual at all, maybe on the nose, that the labels on all these products literally look like the kind of labels you would have seen on the snake oil stuff sold out of carts back in the old, the mm-hmm. olden days. You know, it's like an old font and says, Dr. Sebi's Cell Food. And like it's got a picture of him in the middle and it's like tooth powder. You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. like even the names of them. There's like – Uh, There's something called eyewash and green food.
3: Yeah, I'm just – to, in my opinion, it's as close as you can get to making it look like medicine or having the mind go to medicine Mm -hmm. without claiming that it's actually
0: medicine. Because the FDA will pop you for that. Uh, There's also a conspiracy related to Dr. Seve that extends beyond his claims – to cure cancer, and that is the conspiracy surrounding his passing. Here's how a lot of people found out about Dr. Sebi. It was not through uh, seeking cancer treatments. It was through the interest of the late MC and activist Nipsey Hussle, whom some of our fellow hip-hop fans may be familiar with. Hussle, at the time of his own death, was reportedly working on a documentary about Dr. Sebi. And... We found a quote from him where he seems to confirm this. He says, I'm working on doing a documentary on the trial in ni- in the 1980s. And Hustle says when Dr. Sebi went to trial in New York, uh, it was because he published in the newspaper that he had cured AIDS. He beat that case, says Nipsey, but nobody talks about it. I think the story is important. If you look into the case, the way that the events broke down was that he was charged in 87 with practicing medicine without a license. But he was acquitted because jurors claimed the state had failed to show he made an actual medical diagnosis.
3: Yeah, and and a claim that he was selling the cure necessarily because it was more about diet.
0: Right. And after winning that case – In the 1980s, he went on to work with various celebrities who believed in his cause. Now, just – I'm sure many of us listening know this, but we have to emphasize it. Just because someone happens to be famous does not in any way make them smarter than you. It doesn't make them dumber than you. It doesn't make them special in particular. It just makes them a person, right? Uh, and, And they
3: probably have a better credit card than you.
0: Yeah, they probably have a better credit rating. Yeah, sure. Mm, those really heavy slate ones. No, I didn't say
3: credit rating. I said credit card. Okay, the, the black. <laughs> I didn't card. Say credit That's rating. What you want.
0: Yeah, you want the heft. So people like Michael Jackson, Steven Seagal, Eddie Murphy, John Travolta, Lisa Left Eye Lopez, all swore by Doctor Sebi. Uh, Lisa Lopez said, uh, "I know a man who's been curing AIDS since 1987," in her vociferous public support of the guy Uh, but shortly afterwards she was run off the road and died after leaving Sebi's Usha healing village in Honduras and some people will tell you People who believe there's more to the story, uh, they'll tell you that she was also targeted because she had been spreading his healing message. Uh, He's also reputed to have worked with Michael Jackson to treat painkiller addiction. And Sebi later sued Michael Jackson for almost 400 grand in unpaid bills and then 600-something in lost revenue. The case was dismissed in 2015. And a year later, Dr. Sebi dies. He's 82 years old. He's in a jail cell in Honduras. He was arrested for carrying stacks and stacks of cash. Yeah, it was I think 30 something thousand and like 40,
3: 50 something thousand in another case, and uh, it, he couldn't he couldn't say where it came from. That was the big issue. He's like, uh, I just have this money, and he ended up in jail, and then got pneumonia and passed away. Um,
0: or was it pneumonia? Yeah. It's officially pneumonia, uh, but people who believe that the academy or Big Pharma was suppressing his work will say that he was murdered by the medical industry to, again, silence his message. Here's the deal. Um, If Big
3: Pharma was going to take out Dr. Sebi, their best chances were in the 80s probably or prior to the 80s before it was a... A big deal, and then they had all the way up to two thousand and sixteen to get the job done and if they did in fact murder him, um, just the the amount of time and effort um, it just doesn't make sense to me
2: I seriously you're saying. you're saying they would have known the efficacy of his claims at earlier. And then would have acted accordingly, as opposed to waiting till he got famous
3: or maybe they couldn't take him out because he was too hot at the time oh, whatever I just i'm trying to game I'm trying to go down the it doesn't feel like he got killed to me, but that's just my opinion
0: so with with this, what we see is this these are enormously contentious issues, and There's another conspiracy or theory that gets ignored, that gets lost in the wash here or in the churn of different narratives and it's this. It's something that's – well, there are two I would argue. Uh, Both are a little more plausible and one is disturbing and one is incredibly disturbing. The first is this that there's a huge imbalance between private and public funding of cancer research and that leads critics to say you know big pharma may actually be slowing down the search for a cure to cancer the conspiracy here is not that it not that it exists but that Searching for it is being stymied because these are profit-driven entities and they focus their money on developing patentable single-drug treatments and getting someone hooked for life on a pill instead of testing combination therapies or exploring a way to repurpose cheaper generic drugs. And if that's the case, then we're looking at something pretty depressing. It's less of a a clever conspiracy by some shadowy cabal, and it's more like a bunch of people bumbling for short-term profits because the long-term stuff just won't deliver what the stockholders want. The other one, and this one we save to the end because I think it's by far the most frightening. Um, what if there is no conspiracy? What if there just is no cure? What if all these things just don't work? That's a world that people don't want to live in.
2: No. And, and if anything, Matt, I mean the, the the thing that points to that as being the most believable option is the fact that these billionaires die of cancer
0: hmm And that's hard to walk away from. That's hard to square if any of this stuff is true. I mean, well, I suppose you could take
2: the, you know, Epstein approach and, you know, like, oh, he, he died. He, he's dead and he died of suicide. And now he's maybe actually secretly living on an island. Perhaps some of these billionaires made it look like they died of cancer when, in fact, they did receive the cure and are now living off the grid. Who knows? How will we prove it? I don't you know? know. I'm just, again, thought experiment.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. So now we we wrap up and we, you of course, we, we don't have an answer, but this is a huge conversation that is going, going to be continuing in some form or another, very, very likely for the rest of our lives, unless there is some sort of panacea discovered. Let's ask ourselves the case for or against conspiracy. So people who argue there is a conspiracy – are going to say that it's a profit motive. There may be some Malthusian argument in there saying that cancer helps cull the population, but cancer takes a while to kill people when it is fatal. Then there's the uh, the argument against the conspiracy, which also hinges on profit. Why would a profit-motivated entity not instantly jump on the ability to be the exclusive source of a cancer cure. That is hand-over-fist
3: money. And it also would allow those people that you cured to then take whatever other drugs that you're selling that they might need in their lives.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. And there's one thing for sure as we end today. Several of the alternative cancer cures being sold to sick people across this planet are themselves the result of true conspiracies. They're schemes to exploit the desperate hopes of people who are suffering from horrific disease and to take their money without actually helping them at all and in some cases harming them. If you or a loved one are currently battling cancer, please do not give up hope. And please, please, please be vigilant. If you choose a certain treatment plan, whether tried and true or relatively unorthodox, Consult a medical professional, preferably several if you can, before beginning treatment and make sure that if something may possibly help you, it doesn't also harm you.
3: That's really great, Ben. A cancer diagnosis is one of the most terrifying things you can go through. And I think all of us here can see why these treatments have been um, so popular because we just – we want to be – like you said, Ben, we want to believe that there is something out there that can help us. Um, so write to us, let us know if you have been trying something, if it's been working for you or a loved one, let us know, um, if you've found some things to just completely not work, how you feel about all of these things. Um, if you, maybe you have an insider perspective on either the medical industry or within one of these cures, uh, just write to us, you find us on Twitter or Facebook where we're conspiracy stuff. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, where we're Conspiracy Stuff Show. If you don't want to do that, you can join our "Here's Where It Gets Crazy" page on Facebook and have conversations
2: with fellow conspiracy realists and us. Um, Absolutely, uh, we lurk there pretty regularly and, and get in on the fun. Uh, if you want to check us out individually on social, you can. I am at How Now, Noel Brown exclusively on Instagram.
0: You can find me getting kicked into and out of various places on my Instagram, which is named in a burst of creativity, at Ben Bolin. You can also find me on Twitter, at Ben Bolin HSW. If you think social media is for the birds, totally get it. You can call us directly. We
3: are one eight three three S 833 That's just stuff they don't want you to know in acronym form. Leave us a message. You might get on the air, but we'll hear it. If Even if it doesn't go on the air,
2: we're going to listen. Uh, at least you are, Matt. Right, you, you, right. are the, you are the curator. You are the gatekeeper and the key master. Uh, I, I would say keep it tight uh, unless you know it's going to be a long one and then just know you got to do it in three-minute bursts because that's just how Ring Central do.
3: And if you don't want to do any of that stuff, you can write us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com.